three, if you will, this morning. We're going to get started. Uh, we have been looking at uh, the ladies uh, the, in the genealogy of the Lord, and uh, I thought we'd just do one and more about look who saved Christmas, and uh, a set of ladies here uh, that we're going to look at, and uh, we've got to get a backstory, obviously, to kind of get it flowing. And so we're going to start way over in left field and end up in the right field, okay? Uh, by the way, it is a wonderful study. You ought to take some time to study the women of Scripture. And they, they are fascinating. They, uh, they are a, a wonderful thought and a, a wonderful study. Uh, sometimes the ladies in Scripture, uh, the ladies think ladies get gypped. But really, when you think about it, they don't. And they are, they're, they're, it's a fascinating look at the ladies that run through Scripture, that are a part of it. Even Queen of Sheba, you ought to read about her. It's fascinating and so forth in and, and the doings. So in Genesis chapter 3, we're going to get started here in Scripture uh, here as we begin to kind of look at this issue about who saved Christmas. And I, last hour we did a whole thing on the dating and the Christmas story and the nativity scene and so forth. But there's some wonderful things here uh, that, that first we've got to get in the background, kind of get a thought, get our understanding where we're at, and then begin to, to look at some things here about the daughters of, of uh, I have to read his name, but we'll get over there in numbers in just a minute, okay? There's some, there's some daughters that uh, get to work. Genesis 3, verse 15. Notice something here. Uh, you have uh, uh, Adam and Eve have fallen. They, they've taken of the fruit and they've eaten there uh, in verse 6 and so forth. And, and sin has now entered into, into the human race. God pull, calls for Adam and Eve and uh, the Operation Fig Leaf, the introduction of religion, into humanity and they begin to cover themselves up and their activity covers themselves and they're beginning to do. Finally, God gets to Adam and says, Adam, what happened? He goes, it was the woman that you gave me. She made me do it. Well, instantly, now what's in humanity? Passing the buck. That's the, that's the excuses. It's not my own. I'm not responsible for my own problems. Somebody else did this to me. That's why I'm my way, right? No, you're your way. You're a byproduct of yourself. Then he gets to Eve. And Eve, she says what? The devil, he made me do it. So he, then he goes to the serpent in verse 14. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and the dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman." And between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And right there you begin to see the enmity between the seed line. There's the seed of the woman, and there's going to be the seed of the, of, of, of the adversary. And there becomes this, this enmity that's going to grow here now between this battle that's going to be raging. Now, it's already been raging, but now it's coming down into humanity. And it's going to end with Calvary. That's the bruising. Uh, when you bruise the head, what did you do to it? Think about a snake, and you, you know, going to go, what are you going to, you're going to squish it. But sometimes that snake can get you before you squish it. And that's the bruising, thou shalt uh, bruise his heel, thou, uh, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The Lord's going to squish out the adversary. 
but the adversary is going to inflict some pain. That's Calvary. That's where that picture is. But what I want you to see is that issue about a seed and a seed line. And what's going to begin to do now is in Scripture. When we were looking a couple weeks ago, we had that, that scarlet thread showed up. And there's that thread that runs through Scripture. Now there's going to be a seed line that's going to begin to run through Scripture. And it's going to start here with Eve. And just as, what happened with, with Eve? You got Cain and Abel, the next page, right? Chapter 4. Abel is righteous. Cain, not so righteous. <laughs> Cain kills Abel. And you would instantly think, what's going to happen? The seed line, where did it go? It stopped. Yeah, but in chapter 5 of Genesis, who, Adam and Eve have another boy by the name of Seth. And then Seth begins to go there to Genesis 5. Seth begins to, um, I'm going to try and keep up on the overhead, but you should have the in your paperwork. But then Seth goes down through, and the thing that comes out of Seth is a guy named Noah. And you know what happened with Noah, don't you? Noah and the ark. And then out of Noah has his three boys. And then out of his three boys is going to come this, this whole genealogy line till you get to Adam, to Abraham, sorry. And in Abraham, God says, you're my guy, and out of your loins now is this seed line going to run. So the seed of the woman moves to Abraham. Now, Abraham's an old man. Sarah is an elderly lady. And what is she? Can't have children. But God promised them a child. So Abraham goes over and has a kid with uh, Sarah's handmaiden, and Ishmael. But God says, no, that's your working in your flesh, Romans 4, that's you. It's interesting, in Romans 4, Paul asks the question, what did Abraham learn about the flesh? Not his flesh, the flesh. It's an international thing. He tried to do it, he messed up. God says, Abraham, I told you it's going to come from you and Sarah. And Sarah has Isaac. So Ishmael isn't the issue. Isaac is now the issue. Isaac goes over, has a couple boys, Esau and Jacob. Who became the issue? Jacob does. Now, Jacob gets his name changed to Israel. Jacob's got 12 boys. They got a lot of kids. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh my goodness, now what's going to happen in 12? And there's a little tribe called Judah. So you've got this line. Now, we just did about five minutes about a 13-hour study, okay? You just get this little line that runs through. It originates with the seed of the woman. Come over to Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah. Oh, there it is. Isaiah 7. Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7. This seed line is going to move, and it's going to continue to go right on down through, and it's going to move and do and perform and be there. But it originally starts out as the seed of the woman. Isaiah 7 and verse 14, the, Lord, the prophecy here given to Isaiah, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name, what? Emmanuel, Matthew 1 over there, Emmanuel means what? God with us. And it's going to come down through. And when, Mar when Joseph is told about Mary and what's going to happen there in Matthew 1 in that supernatural event, what's going to take place? It's going to be in Mary. She's a virgin. No male seed involved here. 
No male seed with, involved in getting her pregnant and having a child, nothing. It's a special event. It's something supernatural because the seed of the woman, again, a term that's going to describe the ultimate vehicle where the Messiah is going to come from and how the Messiah comes to be. Back in Genesis 12, I, I know I told you all this, but just go read it so you know I'm not out of my left head rather than my right head. Genesis 12, Genesis 12, verse 1, here's Abraham. And the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So where do you have to be? <laughs> you got to be a part of Abraham's seed, don't you? Chapter 13. Chapter 13, verse 14. And the Lord said unto Abram, after the lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from this place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou... Which Thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. Chapter 15. His seed, Abraham's seed, is critical here. The seed of the woman becomes the seed of Abraham. Chapter 15. You start there in verse 1, but just go down to verse 5. And he brought forth abroad and said, Look now toward the heaven, tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed the Lord, and, it was, and he counted it for him, counted it to him for righteousness. That issue of the seed, seed. Here, here's, a, here's a lineage, a descendancy. Come over to chapter 49, Genesis 49. Genesis 49, verse 1. Genesis 49, 1. And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Gather yourselves together. Hear and hear, ye sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel your father. And he begins to lay out a prophecy about what's going to happen to his boys. Come down to verse 9. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he crouched as a lion, and as an old lion who shall rouse him up. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. Where does the scepter? Who has a scepter? The king does, doesn't he? The king has that scepter. So the scepter is going to be where? Where's the king coming from? Judah, verse 10, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. So Jacob turns to his boys, and he gives them prophecy, and he says, Judah, you know who's coming out of you? The king is coming out of you. The king's going to be there. You're going to be the descendant and the line of the king. Come over with me to Psalms 132. Judah's descendants are going to be the issue. Now, Judah, when you go back into numbers and you start numbering Judah, Judah's numbers, they have become the biggest 
of the tribes. They are the largest of, of Israel, like 122,000 of them. So now it's like, okay, who in Judah is going to be the one? <laughs> we're, we're, how do we do this now? How do we come in and we, we begin to carve out who, who we're talking to with Judah? So Judah, so the Lord says, you, you guys with me? Okay. See the woman. We're going to move to Abraham. We're going to move to Isaac. We're going to move to Judah. Okay. But in Judah, Psalms 132 and verse number 11 well, let's start up there, verse 10. For thy servant David's sake, turn not away the face of thine anointed. The Lord has sworn in truth unto David. He will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. If thy children will keep my covenant and my testimony that I shall teach them, their children shall also sit upon thy throne forevermore. For the Lord hath chosen Zion, he hath desired it for his, for his habitation. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. That, that stuff right in there, folks, for Israel, prophetically, is tremendous to catch. He, he says, Judah, you're my guy, but in your tribe, there's a family of Jesse, and David's going to be the guy. And I'm going to take the fruit of David's loins, David's descendants, and they're the ones that are going to be sitting on the throne. He's the one that's going to be there. He's the, it's going uh, to be human flesh that's going to dwell and sit as the king. But notice... Verse 12, because there's a problem, isn't there? If thy children will what? Keep my covenant and my testimony that I shall teach them. Their children shall also sit upon thy throne forevermore. There's a problem that shows up. If your children keep the covenant, they can sit. But if they don't keep the covenant, they ain't going to sit there. Now, he just promised, it's called the Davidic covenant, to David that your flesh is going to sit there. And he says, but there's going to be a problem that's going to show up over here. And there's going to be a problem in David's lineage. And it creates quite a, a tremendous event here. Um, I, again, i got to get used to running. There it is. Let me get on. Let's just get it on there. Okay? Then I don't have to worry about running it. Come over to Jeremiah. Chapter 22. There's a problem in, in David's lineage that pops up. And it's something that we kind of touched on last week, but we're going to dig into the weeds here now. Again, this is all backstory. We haven't even got to the ladies who are going to save Christmas, okay? You just got to get this into your thinking here. Jeremiah 22. There's going to be a guy show up here, verse 24. As I live, saith the Lord... Though Kona, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were the signet upon his, my right hand, yet would I pluck thee hence. Now, God's, God's, you've got to think about Israel. Historically, they're under the fifth course of judgment. They're about ready to be carried off in the Babylonian captivity under Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar has sacked the city four times. This is uh, Jehoiakim here. He's the king. He's about to be carried away. Okay? So we got a lot of, we got judgment coming here. Now, you'll see this issue of Kona. In 
verse 28. Is this Kona a despised, broken idol? Is he a vessel wherein is no pleasure? Wherefore are they cast out, he and his seed, and are cast into a land which, I, which they know not? Well, Kona, the son of Jechon, Kim King, he's sitting on the, he's got the signet. Verse 24 there, he's sitting on the throne. And what did God just say in verse 28? Are they not cast into a land which they know not? Wherefore are they cast out, he and his seed, and are cast into a land which they know not? O earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, write ye this man childless, a man that shall not prosper in his days, for no man of his seed shall prosper, sitting upon the throne of David and ruling anymore in Judah. What's the declaration there? What's happened? David here, we got us a problem, don't we? We got a kid, he's going to be Jeconiah, and I'll talk about that in just a minute, that guess what, he just got, he just got cursed. He's a descendant of David, and he says, no, not mo, no, <laughs> no children, no descendants. Now, come to Matthew chapter 1, because this is where this is going to get fun. In chapter 1 of Matthew, in the genealogy of the Lord, okay, you have, we've talked about the five ladies, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, we talked about Mary. If you look here at verse 6, And Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias, and Solomon begat. Okay, so you see Solomon. Solomon ends, I did this wrong, but Solomon here, right? That's usually how it flows, right? But Solomon, so Solomon is going to begin to have all these kids, right? Verse 11. And Josiah, uh, uh, Josias begat who? Jeconias and his brethren about the time they were carried away into Babylon. That's this guy we were just reading about in Jeremiah. Okay? Now what happens is, is in First Chronicle or in Jeremiah, he says he's called what? Kona. In, in the Hebrew, that J-E means Jehovah. And what God literally does there is he rips off his name from that guy's name. Because he's what? He's a bad guy. He's going to be cursed. And he literally sits over there and he says, you, God literally says, you take my name away from his name. He's not the guy. Why? Because Jeremiah, no descendants there. You with me? I, I, you need to see that. Verse 12. Matthew 1, verse 12. And after that, and after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconias begat, and then you see how he's going to run all the way down to who? He's going to have descendants all the way to Joseph, right? You see that? But what was the command back here on Jeconias in Jeremiah 22? What was the edict? No children, no descendants is going to sit on the throne. He doesn't say he's not going to have kids. 
He just says his kids aren't sitting on the throne. Okay? You guys, is this Sunday morning? Come on now. After Christmas, you can wake up. All right? Do you see a problem with a component of David's flesh through Solomon sitting on the throne? By the way, do you remember Solomon's last days? Do you know what he looks like? 666 is all around him. He has a pick, he marries the women of outlandish, out, out of the land women, and they turn his heart to Baal. He's, he's not following the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not following the God of Israel. He's out over here doing something else. And you know what the Lord says? Because of that, you guys, you, your, your lineage, Solomon, will never sit on the throne got a problem though because who's in that lineage joseph now who's joseph well he's the daddy of the savior don't you know well i got no nose in that one he's the daddy of the savior don't you know no he's not he's married to mary though right but he's not the dad see you see this issue about the raw that that seed line it's critical here. Now come to Luke chapter 3. Luke 3. Because in Luke 3, we have another genealogy given. But in this genealogy, we have the genealogy of Mary. Luke 3, verse 23. And Jesus, Jesus himself, being to be about 30 years of age, being, notice, as was supposed... By the way, your new Bibles, pull that little parenthesis out. Okay? The son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli. You see Heli there. That's Mary's dad. Okay? And what you're going to have here in Luke 3 is the genealogy of Mary. How do you know that? Well, notice it's the son of. In Matthew, it was Solomon begat, Jesse begat, Obed begat, to begat means to do what? Give life, give the birth. But the son of, come back with me to 1 Samuel 24. You've you got to catch the subtleties here because they're designed to protect the virgin birth. 1 Samuel 24. Just catch this. 1 Samuel 24. 1 Samuel 24, and look at verse 16. Now, in 1 Samuel 24, you have Saul, King Saul, chasing David around and so forth. And David's got Saul kind of by the, you know, he's getting him. And in verse 16, 1 Samuel 24, 16, And it came to pass when David was, was, had made an end of speaking these words unto Saul, that Saul said, Is this thy voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. And he said to David, now, is David the son of Saul? No. But David is what to Saul? Son-in-law. Because David had married one of Saul's daughters. So when you see this issue about son of Heli, he's talking about son-in-law. And if you go back there to Luke 3, and you begin to work it all the way down through, what you're seeing is the son-in-law, because Mary, being a, a lady, 
Her identity is going to run through her husband. Her dad is her head until she gets married. So there's a, there's a movement here through Mary and through the issue of the son-in-laws, which is very interesting when we get over here in a minute and talk about the daughters. Drop down to verse 32. Which was the son of Jesse, which was the son of Obed, which was the son of Boaz, or Booz, which was the son of, I'm in Luke 3, I'm sorry, did I tell you wrong? Luke 3, come on now, 32. You should know where I'm at. Verse 31. Not mind readers? Okay, Luke, Luke 3, and look at verse 31. Which was the son, you see all those guys there at the end of that verse. Which was the son of who? Nathan, which was the son of David. David has a boy named Nathan. Is Nathan the flesh of David? Yes. Okay. You go back to Nathan. Go back with me to 1 Chronicles 3. You guys think this stuff in Chronicles is a waste of time to read. You need to be reading it because it will help you. 1 Chronicles 3. You see, David had Nathan. Nathan is going to be the link for Mary, who's going to be the mother of the Lord, to David and the throne. Luke, or, I'm sorry, 1 Chronicles 3, verse 5. And these were born unto him, that's David, in Jerusalem. Shamiah, Shobab, Shobab, and who? Nathan, and Solomon. Four of Bathsheba, the daughter of. You see, Nathan is born of who? Bathsheba. Bathsheba has Solomon, who ends up being the next king, the wise man, but yet his lineage has been cursed, childless, You're not, none of your child's going to sit on the throne because what did they not do? They didn't obey the commandments. Remember Psalms 132? If you obey the covenants and my commandments, your seed will sit on that throne. But guess what? Oh, Jeconiah didn't do that. Kona. Kaniah over there. Kaniah. So I'll get it right. So, but Joseph, but then you got Nathan, Go back to Luke 3 there. And who do you have happening in Luke 3? Who shows up there in Luke 3? There's Mary. Mary, who is the mother of the Savior. So through Nathan, we get to Mary. Nathan, the flesh of David. We... We get to Mary, who's now going to have the Lord, but she has him how? How, how was he conceived? By what? Virgin birth. The Holy Ghost comes and does the deed. See, there's an issue here. When those new Bibles out there in religion say Joseph is the dad, then guess, if Joseph is his father, the Lord can never sit on the throne of Israel. Why? Because that genealogy line has been cursed. Childless. 
That's why the virgin birth is so critical, so important. But because he's born of Mary, Father is the Holy Spirit, he comes down through Nathan, then guess what he can do? He can sit on the throne. Now, you don't catch that at the average day church today. Today, they're probably singing away in a manger and, you know, old, old silent light. But when you look at this and you get to studying it, you see how technical the scriptures protect the virgin birth. You guys with me? See what's going on. Now, come back with me to Numbers. Because there's something that's happening here in a manner that needs to be, what did I tell you, numbers? 26. Just look at the overhead, Rick. <laughs> numbers 26. This, let me do it like this. This is Matthew. Okay? This is Luke. All right? Numbers 27. I need you in 26. But in Numbers 27, something's going to happen here. And it's going to happen and what's going to happen here is a legal issue, the law now. All right? So legally, how are things going to play out? In Numbers 26 verse 33, and Zelophehad, that's the daughters of Zelophehad. I have to read it or else I can't say it. The son of, Ho of Hefer had no sons but daughters. And the names of the daughters of Zelophehad were, and you've got, get, count how many names of the daughters there are. How many are there? There's five. How many women show up in the Lord's genealogy? Five. Just kind of happened that way. That's a divine author. Okay, so you've got your five, the five daughters. Now, if, if he has no sons, what happens when he dies under the law? Where does, where does his inheritance go? It go it, it's gone. He doesn't have any descendants to pass it on until the ladies, the daughters, these are the ladies, make a plea. 27.1. Then came the daughters of Zelophehad. Okay? Verse 2, and they stood before Moses and before Eleazar the priest and before the princes and all the congregation by the door of the tabernacle, the congregation saying, Our father died in the wilderness, and he was not in the company of them that gathered themselves together against the Lord in the company of Korah, but died in his own sins and had no sons. Why should the name of our father be done away from among the family? Because he had no sons. Give unto us, therefore, a, a possession among the brethren of our father. And Moses brought their cause before the Lord. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, The daughters of Zelophehad speak what? Right. They're not making this stuff up. They're not looking for an advantage. They just want is what is due to them. 
Thou shalt surely give them a possession of an inheritance among their father's brethren and among their uh, and, and uh, and thou shalt cause the inheritance of their father to pass unto them. And thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a man die and hath no son, then ye shall cause his inheritance to pass unto his daughters. Prior to that decree, if a man died, guess where his inheritance went? He's gone. No, no boys, no sons. But now, because these five ladies stood up and said, Wait a minute, let's... Why is that? Why can't it come to us? We're his only descendants. If you go back to, and, and uh, over to chapter 36 of Numbers, God recognized the daughter's faith. So you know what he does? He sets a legal precedent is what he's doing here. Numbers 36. He's coming through, and he's like, legally now, there's some ground to stand on when there's no descendants listed. Male descendants. 36 verse 2. And they said, the Lord commanded my Lord to give the land for an inheritance by lot to the children of Israel. And my Lord was commanded by the Lord to give an inheritance of Zelophehad, our brother, unto his daughters. You know what it is? It's a law now. They came in and argued the case before Moses and the leadership of Israel, and God said, Moses, they're right. Dole it out to them. So what did they do? Not to just them, but now to who? To everybody else. Okay? There's a, there's a loophole created here now. Remember when the Lord's on the Calvary? And he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he claims the loophole from murder to manslaughter. That's, there's a loophole created here now. Verse 8. By the way, you, this stuff about these daughters, it's phenomenal what they do. But verse 8. And every daughter that possesseth an inheritance in any tribe of the children of Israel shall be wife unto one of the family of the tribe of her father, that the children of Israel may enjoy every man the inheritance of his father, neither shall the inheritance uh, remove from one tribe to another tribe, but every one of the tribes of the children of Israel shall keep himself to his own inheritance, even as the Lord commanded Moses, so did the daughters of Zephled. For, and you know what they do, the end of verse 11, they marry their father's brother. Brothers. Sons, actually, read the verse were married unto their father's brother's sons. See what they did? They did it right, but they did it under a claim of, wait a minute, don't let our dad go away and lose his component. We'll do what we're supposed to do. And you know what God did? He recognized their faith, and he set a precedent. And he gave them what they needed. These girls were valued for their faith. Okay? That's why I said earlier, when you look at the women in the scripture, they are women of faith. And a lot of times they don't tow around, they get on with it. You go in there and read about Deborah, the, the judge. <laughs> she don't mess around with them. And she don't mess around with the guys given to her to help her. <laughs> She's in, why? Because it's put up or shut up. Guys, we tend to mess around. The ladies don't. They just, boom, get on it. What do they do? What's happened here? What, what are these ladies doing? They're creating a loophole. 
They've, they've done something here. Now, go back there to Luke and to Matthew in your thinking. Go back there to Matthew 1 and just kind of think about this. The seed line has come down, right? It got to David and Bathsheba. Bathsheba has Solomon. What happened to Solomon's line in Matthew 1? It's going to produce Joseph, right? But what does Matthew, what portrait of the Lord does, the, does Matthew present? He's the king, right? Matthew 1.1, 1, 1, the genealogy of the Lord, the son of David, the son of Abraham. He's the king. In Matthew, in this line, you see the literal line. When people look at the genealogy of the king and the line of a king, you know what they don't care about? All this. They care about, is he in the line? Okay? When Diana and Charlie over there had the boys, who was first? William. You know why he's first? Because they can trace his line. You know what they don't care about? Charlie and the other lady, Diana and the other guys. They don't care about any of that. What do they care about? Is he in the line? You have the literal taken care of. But in Luke, with Nathan, what does Luke pick the Lord as? Man. Now you have the legal claim. So in Mark, I'm sorry, in, yeah, in Matthew, Joseph, he can't sit on the throne because he can't be the dad because childless, the curse. But literally, he's the line. Because you know what they do? They go, the Lord, Mary, Joseph, and they go backwards. But in Mark, I mean, I'm sorry, in Luke, with Mary... Going through Nathan, you see the literal, you see the, the legal claim to the throne. And what the daughters of Zelophehad had done by causing that loophole to be developed is now the loophole that's going to help Mary. Because Mary didn't know a man, and what is she? She's pregnant. So now there's not, you know, you know if you get have a child out of wedlock, everybody, not, no, 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 not now. We have a legal loophole built in. And what the daughters did was that they literally saved Christmas, if you will, (laughs) by believing what God was doing in Israel. And the value of the land, the value of the inheritance, so they began to set a precedent for that inheritance to also go to the daughters. So when you come to Luke 3 and you look at Mary's line, it's interesting to me that you see a lot of male names listed. The son of Heli there, which was the son of Mathat, which was the son of Levi, which was the son of Mal. And you see all of those guys there listed which kind of begins to think about Heli, maybe he just, maybe, because we don't know, 
Maybe all he had was daughters. And the loophole now that he could do what? He could pass his descendancy to Mary because of the daughters of Zelophehad. Because that's what they did. They allowed the loophole to get around the, the childless curse that was that caused there by the other guys. So the virgin birth, by the way, helps to read your notes. This should be the legal, that should be the literal. <laughs> it didn't sound right when I wrote it up there. So flip those. So the virgin birth becomes an issue that's of, of critical importance. Because this route was a no good. It has to come this way because of that curse. And what the daughters did was they created the legal side and said, hey, legally now, guess what? We can pass this on. Now, why that's critical is because of the attack of the adversary. Because the adversary, he attacked Eve, didn't he? He got her. He thought he had, the, by the way, through Adam and Eve, you've got Seth, right? You've got Noah. What happened with Noah? How, how low did humanity get? Down to eight souls. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And out of, out of those guys then come everybody else. Hezekiah, you remember old Hezekiah? The Lord extended his life so he could have an heir to keep the seed line going. It got down that. So the more the seed line was reduced, Satan had less and less to attack. And when the Lord Jesus Christ is born over here, and he comes and now begins to walk the earth. It's interesting, in Luke 3, you have that genealogy there, and in Luke 4, what do you have Satan doing? Attacking the seed. Because if he can cause the Lord to stumble in one part, one piece break his word, guess what? The Lord's a sinner just like everybody else, and none of this matters. But the Lord says what? As it is written. As it is written, as it is written. And he doesn't stumble. You have to remember the ladies, the daughters. And they're important in the virgin birth because they are the ones that establish the legal impact on the lineage and the heritage of our Savior. They're the ones that made it able that Mary could be the virgin birth and everything is okay. You and I, as we sit here today, we look back at this, the virgin birth is, boy, it is so delicate, so important. Because when the Lord became man, Matthew 1.23, he's Emmanuel, that is what? God with us. You're in Luke, look at John 1, verse 14. And the word was made flesh, and what? Dwelt among us. When that happens, and that goes by, what does Paul say in 1 Timothy 1, verse 15? 
This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to do what? To save sinners, of whom I am chief, he says. You see, the birth of Christ, the, the daughters and the loophole and all of this stuff that's going on in the positioning and everything, it's designed so that he could do what? Come into the world to save sinners. That's you and I. You go back and read Romans 9, and he says he came and dwelled and walked for Israel's sake. And Paul says, yeah, he did that, but he also saves us. He's the Savior of all men, especially them that believe, that verse says. And I'll be honest with you, this time of the season, you ought to take, just kind of preach the gospel to yourself a couple days in a row. Yes, we know he wasn't born late December. Yes, we understand the conception is the time, because that's the miracle. And that's what's important. Because now as we begin the new year, we've got a lot of things going on and doing, but we can never get too far from the cross. It's very important. And as you begin to look and study and think about these things, you ought to do so with an understanding Pauline perspective. When Paul sits at, boy, you know, I think about Paul, and he thinks about the Lord. He interacted with the Lord. <laughs> Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He knew this story. He knew all this stuff. He had it. The history is there. And yet he looks at it and says, you know what I want to do? I want to know him more and more and more. I don't know him enough. He goes, for me to live is what? Christ, and to die is what? Gain. He says, you know, I'm caught between a rock and a hard place to sit here and deal with you bozo, I mean you people in the flesh, or to go to be with the Lord. And he says, you know what? I'm more needful for me to be here, so I'll stay. But you know what I'm looking for, Titus 2, that glorious appearing in the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And as we go day by day, this time of the year it's over, my daughter tells me, makes a comment last night, I'm no longer in the Christmas spirit. <laughs> like, so it's over, you know, it's done. But you ought to be thinking about who you are in Christ and in what he's able to do. Because he was born of a virgin. And because the line, the legal and the literal lines, all that legal stuff is worked out, Okay. All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for the folks to come to study, to look at this, to think about these things, to consider them, to ponder them, and then by faith walk in them. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Let's stand. We'll be dismissed.